Welcome back to another episode of the Coach's Corner Podcast. I've got something. We have not had an episode like this, and I'm pretty sure I say that way too often, but I just get so excited because we're always trying something new. And today we got Annette Stepanian. Annette, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a lot of fun because I, I'm still a little skeptical of how this is actually going to be fun. And I mean that with respect because here's how your website opens is Annette helps make the law and biz easy to understand, practical, and dare I say, fun. And anytime I think about law, lawyers, legal, contracts, LLCs, you know, copyright, trademarks, I like, I get all tensed up. It's just stressful to me. I'm a creative and most people I think listening are creative, but you made me a believer fairly quickly because I'm, as I'm going through your website, and, and I'll put the link around here for anyone interested in this because it's just a great example, if there's anything you take from it, an example of really connecting with your audience. But it was so much fun. Like, I actually laughed out loud probably four or five times. Oh, and, thanks. Yeah, and I got really excited to have you here because to me, the idea of the analytical law, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, like, it, it's just not my jam. But I've, I'm, I'm really inspired by the way that you found how to take your law career and then use your creative side and build this beautiful company that I was going through your reviews and testimonials, like some really, really big names that we've had on the show too have used your services. And I'm hoping that anyone listening who gets tensed up with contracts and legals and hiring and firing or just starting your business or registering your business can just let that go, take some notes and and tune in and, and get some guidance through it. Yeah, I hope so. And thank you so much for the compliments, cool. especially coming from someone who's, you know, specializes in copy and whatnot. That I that means a lot. It was it was awesome. It was awesome. So I, I want to make sure that we cover this because as we were chatting about how to make the most out of this, there was a little bit of, um, you know, you don't want to go on, well, it depends where you live. Because I get asked all the time, LLC, yeah. sole proprietor, and I'm like, this isn't my specialty. Find someone. And it also depends on where you live. So I know you practice in the States. But if you just want to give a little bit of a spiel on really how to get the most out of this and cover the it depends where you live, and then we'll get into the fun stuff. Yeah. So um, basically, I am a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer. So it's um, always good for you to educate yourself. And that's really the purpose of why I'm here today is to give you guys some just background information so you're able to really recognize some of the issues that might come up as you are starting and growing your business. But um, as you mentioned, uh, the laws are going to vary from whether you're based in the U.S., in Canada, in Australia, and then also here in the States, they're going to vary from state to state. So just always, always, always seek out a lawyer who's authorized to practice on the area where you're running your business to really give you that one-on-one personal feedback. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So I, I think with that said, I think this will serve as more of a, here's sort of the guidelines of knowing where you're going and how to navigate. And then the little details, the specifics, the city, the state, the country, blah, blah, blah. Um, we can dial in, but from my research or my experience with it every time we had a big issue and it was like a legal issue it just forced me to find a lawyer to help us it seemed like through all of my research over the last few years it's sort of kind of the same it just changes on a micro level but the main concepts are fairly similar from what i found um i can't speak to obviously the different countries and how things are structured um there might be some variation but yeah the idea as it relates to a business is you know 
um, issues about setting up your business and setting up that proper foundation. Um, so whether the structure is an LLC or a sole proprietorship here in the States, or maybe it's called something different in France, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the ideas are, are, are essentially the same, um, you know, contracts, agreements, um, any kind of intellectual property and protections. Those are kind of what I call your legal ingredients. Um, and so those all have the same flavors. Uh, it's just about how you kind of put put it all together. Uh, it might vary from you know business to business, like we said, location to location. So cool, so cool. So, and I noticed on your website you had a legal ingredients uh, kind of workbook or checklist or like a, a little pot of legal ingredients stuff. Uh, we'll leave the links for that, and we'll talk about that in in a little bit. So, right before we get into the fun stuff, because I got four main problems that I hear over and over and over and I never know how to answer them because that's not my specialty so I always send people you know just do the work and and investigate it and now I've got this beautiful resource I'm going to use this episode as like the golden post and hopefully um you know people can find you and, and and the work that you do so right before we do get into that just a little bit on your background you said you were a lawyer every lawyer I've known from my limited experience of knowing lawyers has always seemed sucked of their creative juices and you have found some way to marry the two so you've been just give us a little bit of your background and how you came to supporting creatives and and entrepreneurs in their especially their online journey because it looks like that's you do a lot of that work yeah so uh i you know kind of took the traditional route right after law school i went and worked at a national law firm here in the san francisco bay area um, doing defense litigation for about five, six years. And in, in kind of the legal world here, that's kind of like the dream job, you know, is to get into these big firms and work your way up to partnership. Um, and, you know, it was a really great environment, but I just couldn't see myself being there long term. I, I didn't want to be a partner. And so I was like, well, what am I doing here? <laughs> so it took a really long time for me to finally make the decision, but I, I left without a plan in place, um, which is kind of like, you know, jump in off the proverbial cliff, right? For most lawyers who are very, very, uh, you know, just detail oriented, always have a plan, have a backup plan. Um, took some time. I traveled, I decided I wanted to do something to tap into my creative, uh, side that I'd really just left and neglected for so many years. So I started a jewelry line and in that process, I started working with a lot of creatives, right? I was hiring photographers, graphic designers, whatnot, um, to help me in my business And I noticed like their contracts needed help. And um, long story short, I started just developing these relationships and friendships. And I just kept getting asked like, hey, you know, Hmm. can you help me with this contract? Can you explain this to me? And so over time, I just realized there was a real need. um, And I I missed the law part of it, if I was being really honest. So I thought this was a really nice way of marrying kind of both sides of my, my brain or both sides of my personality where I could take the legal stuff, really hopefully simplify it, make it applicable to you know industry specific, make it hopefully cost effective for people uh, with the goal of just really helping support people start and build their dream businesses. Because whether we like it or not, it, it is a very essential part of running a business. Uh, and it's, I think, as every entrepreneur's job to at least have some basic background in it uh, so that they can protect what I call their business baby. Yeah, so awesome. And I I, um, I love that story. Two things that just came to mind is we start off doing something. Like we don't know what we're doing, so we just jump into something. And by doing that, you kind of find your passion. It just breaks my heart when I see people 
wanting to do something, but they don't know how it's going to end up. And I'm always like, just dive into it because you'll start yeah. a jewelry line and then you'll figure this out and then you build something beautiful like you built. And who knows where the journey goes. And the second thing is you kind of mentioned that or that what I was thinking was like when I started, I was kind of naive and I'm like, I don't care. I just need to make sales. And so I found ways to kind of hustle basically um, in my in my 20s to figure it out. But then I see the other side is people who are a little bit more on the safe side of life, which is nothing wrong with that. It's just opposite of me wanting to figure out the legal side of things. And they're, they're, they let that they feel like it's this impossible wall where you need to be some CEO or have a background in business school, stop them from moving forward. So I love how you're making it easy. And I want to give anyone permission and correct me if I'm wrong here, but anyone permission who's like, I have this dream or have this idea or this thing in my heart, but there's this legal end of things. And I'm going to say it's probably easier than you think if you find someone to help, but I, I'm, I'm kind of making that up. Is it, I don't think it's as complicated as people think. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm biased because <laughs> yeah. this is what I do and what I've studied. But yeah, I think it's not as complicated. And I think like whether it's the legal stuff or whatnot, you know, it's just another limiting belief that holds us back. And it's kind of a, I call a sophisticated form of procrastination, right? Yeah. Is that you're using kind of these things as excuses to get you from really doing the work that you really need to do. Um, and, you know, like you mentioned, um, you know, there's so many resources nowadays. Um, like my website's one of those where you can really go through and, get for free, get like a ton yeah. of information, um, to, to hopefully answer some of those questions and kind of, uh, ease those, um, like those fears and yeah. those concerns that you have. Yeah. So cool. So cool. Okay. So the first thing I want to dive into, and I'm, I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but I know we go live once a week inside the Facebook group. If you're not part of the Facebook group, make sure you join it. It's 7,000 online coaches in that group. Every time I go live, it's should I start an LLC? Should I incorporate sole proprietor? Yeah. What do I do? And I just answer, I incorporated, like I created a company because of tax purposes. My accountant was like, you're paying way too much tax. And I went from 50% tax bracket to 12%, which to me made total sense. I just didn't know. But from a legal perspective or someone who's wondering that, how would you answer the sole proprietor LLC company question? Yeah. So this is one of those things where I think you don't want to copy your neighbor, you know, so to speak, um, just because like an LLC works for you, it may not be, you know, something that works for, you know, Sarah, for instance. Mm -hmm. So, um, essentially a sole proprietorship means that, um, actually let me take a step back. This whole LLC conversation really breaks down to two components. One is kind of the legal liability side and the other one is the tax side. Um, and so there are pros and cons to both of those, depending on which entity type you pick. So a sole proprietorship essentially means you and the business are one in the same. So both in terms of liability, both in terms of the way taxes are, you know, um, are calculated, at least here in the U S is, um, it's, 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 you're the same as the business. So if you, if your business gets sued, potentially all of your personal assets are subject, uh, to that. Um, and also the way you're taxed, you're taxed on your personal income tax return. So then depending on how much you make your, you know, your tax rate might be different, um, or might be more, like you mentioned, it was yeah. significantly higher when you were a sole proprietorship. Yeah. Um, that might be a good w place for m most people to start. Um, if they're, you know, the risk that, that it is us, you know, what kind of business they're in, if the risk is really low, um, if, for example, the cost of um, forming an LLC or a corporation is really high in their jurisdiction. Uh, sometimes that's a non-starter for people because, like here in California, it's 
it's not that expensive to start an LLC, but you have to pay an annual minimum tax of $800 a year. Uh, and then it goes up depending on what kind of income you bring in. Um, and that for some people is a lot of money when they first start yeah, out, especially yeah. when, if they don't know if they're going to continue with this business for very long. Mm. Um, uh, if you don't have a lot of personal assets that you're concerned about, uh, you know, sole proprietorship may not be a bad place for you to start. And then as your business grows, kind of like what you did, then consider maybe other entity forms. Um, on the other end of the spectrum is the corporation where the corporation is really its own entity. Um, and so, you know, you have like your shareholders, your owners, you know, that own the business. Um, but then the corporation is its own kind of separate being. Um, that can pr obviously present certain benefits with regards to uh, liability. So if the corporation gets sued, um, it's the corporation's assets that are subject um, or potentially um, exposed, not your personal assets as the owner. And then there's some taxation, um, uh, you know, can, there can be some benefits, some cons. Um, they call it double taxation because the corporation gets taxed. And then any distribution such as income um, or, sorry, um, salaries or shareholder, um, um, the word's escaping me right now, but when they Divid make the Dividends, I believe. Yeah, dividends. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you. Um, those all can get then taxed at the, at the personal income tax level. Yeah. Now, the LLC, I kind of look at it as like if the sole proprietorship and the, uh, the corporation had a baby, it would be an LLC because right. it kind of takes the best of both and then creates its own entity. So the LLC kind of gives you that personal, um, that protection against personal liability because the LLC, again, is a separate entity, separate and apart from the owners, which are in California, they're called members. Um, I keep doing these yeah. air quotes. I don't know if people can't see them on the podcast. But no, it's great. I keep doing these air quotes. Um, and so uh, that's really great because it, it protects you in theory and it protects all of your personal assets. So if you own a house, if you own you know, property or whatnot, uh, yeah. in theory, that would not be subject to lawsuits. Um, and then um, the cool thing about LLCs is you can also then elect how you want to be taxed. So you can still choose to be taxed almost like a sole proprietorship where it gets taxed on your personal income tax returns, or you can elect to be taxed as a corporation, which under certain circumstances may prove to be more um, beneficial in terms of uh, how much you owe uh, in taxes. So whether you do one or the other, again, is really going to, this is what I would do is I would hire a good, you know, uh, CPA or tax tax advisor who can take a look at all of your kind of financial situation. So if you're married, you know, with your partners, take a look at how much income are you guys bringing in? Is it beneficial for you to incorporate or file as an LLC in order to take advantage of some of these tax benefits? Uh, and, you know, take a look at the cost for registering or maintaining uh, a uh, LLC or other entity uh, in your jurisdiction. Um, and then if you want to also consult with a lawyer to really understand, okay, once I do become whatever entity it is, what do what, legally kind of what are my, what are the roadblocks I need to be aware of or what are the issues I need to be aware of moving forward? Uh, just know that just because you start off as one, it doesn't mean you can't switch later on down the road. And I think you're a perfect example of that. So, um, there, yeah, it's really gonna, it's gonna vary again, person by person, situation by situation. I, love that. I, I always tell people that when they ask, like, what was the best move that you did? 
um, it was getting an accountant as in (laughs) for two years, I tried doing accounting by myself as if like, I know what that is. And I know I messed it up and I would know I I would play on the safe side. So I'd probably pay more tax than I needed to. And then I hired the accountant, which way back in the day, seven years ago, paying $800 or thousand dollars was kind of like, I was like, I was kind of terrified. And she looked at everything and saved me two or three times that. And to this day, I'll get emails of like, hey, you're spending too much here. Better do this, better do that. When we incorporated it and, and, and turned our business into a company, yeah, it was like four or $5,000 to do, but the savings was like 80 grand in tech. Like it just, it, it just is so well laid out. And at least I have found that usually an accountant will have that consultation with you for, they want your business. And so oftentimes they don't mind looking at your stuff if you find the right person. So I, I love that. And I look at things from a financial standpoint because, well, sales and cash on hand is extremely important to drive the business forward. So I'm very driven on that number. But obviously, you got the legal protection. So it sounds like there's really only three options depending where you live. And from those three options, there's two considerations. There's the taxes, financial benefits, and then there's the legal protection benefits. And so that really limits your choice down to it's a pretty simple framework. Well, but- yeah, I mean, those are kind of the big, the big entity, kind of the most popular, let's say like the popular kids in the room. <laughs> um, but there are at least here in California, different entity types as well, which I mean, for just interest of time, I won't go into, but yeah. there are, you know, like benefit corporations or okay. okay. there, at least in California, there are certain rules on who can, like if you're in certain licensed industries, you can't form an LLC. So, but right. for the most part, like those three are kind of the the big, the big players. And then there might be different variations, uh, in your jurisdiction that might, uh, be more appropriate for your business. Cool. Cool. And then is this true? I do want to ask you this question because, um, and again, this is going to depend where people live, but I know for me, my accountant was like, don't stress out about it. Like, cause I was making some sales and I was kind of moving the business forward. And she's like, at least here where we live, I think there was a three month time window where there's some leeway. So like when we incorporated, we were able to, you know, take the last two or three months in sales and move them into this incorporation window. However it worked, it just seemed like I was all stressed out that everything has to be perfect. But it seems like the government sided on trying to help you out as best as you can and helping you through those little intricacies. Because I'm guessing it's in the economy's best interest to have the entrepreneurs succeed because we are the backbone of these beautiful (laughs) countries that are built. So I, I, at least just from personal experience, when I was approaching this, I was terrified thinking that I'm going to be in weird, you know, I'm going to get in trouble. And although we made mistakes along the way, there was a lot of leniency because, well, they were honest mistakes. It's not like I was trying to do it on purpose. And so it just seemed like it wasn't that terrifying. We were doing our best. And now I've got a lot of help to do it exactly right at the size we are. But at first it seemed like it wasn't as terrifying as I thought it was going to be. Is that fairly true from what you normally see? Well, in terms of establishing your entity, um, if you're just running a sole proprietorship, they're really, at least here in the States, you don't really have to file a lot of paperwork. Now you might have to file certain, um, for certain business permits and business licenses in the County in which you are operating your business. And that you probably would have to do that pretty quickly. (laughs) Um, uh, because the, the, basically the government wants to know if you're running a business for lots of different reasons. So, uh, I don't know what kind of grace period you might have. Um, again, one of those things, (laughs) but in, in, I think if you are, I I mean, basically just to kind of take it back, it's, if you're going to start a business, 
you know there are kind of like these three flavors of entities, I would at the very minimum look up, just Google like starting a business in Los Angeles, California (laughs) and take a look at what are the requirements, um, what are the things that you need to act quickly on and what are the things you can delay or reevaluate as you are as the business grows. And so the entity selection is probably one of those things you don't have to necessarily be an LLC on day one, unless there's some reason, um, for you to do it. Uh, but there might be other filings and things that you do need to, like I said, like business licenses, permits, um, you know, doing business as or fictitious business name applications here, uh, that you, you'd probably want to get going sooner rather than later. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So cool. And, okay. And just because you have a domain and a social media handle, it doesn't yes. mean that you're, you know, you're legit. doing <laughs> legit. hundred percent. Be legit. Yeah. Be legit. So, okay. So someone, you know, I'm going to be a sole proprietor or they're taking those few steps or maybe they're even working with a few clients and kind of do it at the same time. Anyways, I, this isn't talked about online. It's something I started talking about a lot more of because people just kind of brush under the rug, but not all clients are created equal. And when I was working with like five or 10 one-on-one clients, it was easy. My clients were awesome. And, you know, ones that weren't, we'd let go. It was fairly simple. I didn't have many problems. As I grew to 30 or 40 clients or bringing people on who now also serve them, the chances for miscommunication, the chances for issues arising, the chances for unhappy clients... Then we went into group where we serve hundreds of people. Now the chances are the problem doesn't come to you until eight weeks too late. And now it's escalated into a problem that could have been solved if it was just talked about way earlier. And so I always say not all clients are created equal. And it's not that it's a bad client. It's just a bad relationship. And it's not that you're a bad coach. It's just that it just there was some miscommunication. So learn from it every single time. So I've definitely experienced... Uh, that more than once and it'll just come up and you deal with it in the best way you can and if there isn't a win-win it can escalate into the actual legal side of things so with someone who is terrified of that happening or who is facing those issues like maybe a client is on a contract and doesn't want to pay which used to happen to me and I would just let it go nowadays it's different because we can treat it a little bit differently so anyone who's kind of like terrified of the client issues that will happen. You hope it doesn't happen. You'll do everything you can for it not to happen. But issues arise. So contracts, you want some kind of contract or some kind of something, something. How do people go about getting started on that? And we'll talk about from a one-on-one setting because I think most people are running a one-on-one program that are listening to this. Mm. So you have a client say, yes, I want to sign up. I want to pay. I'm going to pay you five grand for three months of coaching. What comes next? Yeah. So that's a really great question. So I think if anything you're going to do and you're going to be doing, if you're in the service-based business, especially you want some sort of contract in place. Um, and the reasons are like you mentioned, um, you know, there could be misunderstandings, you know, like something as simple as if I come and I agree to paint your house for $500 and you say, yes, okay, that sounds like we have an agreement, which we do, but does that mean I'm going to paint your entire house? Am I going to paint the inside of your house or just the outside? Am I going to buy the paint? What color paint? When are you going to right. paint me? Like there's so many things. And that's just like one very simple example. And so I like to take a step back. So both when I, when I work one-on-one with clients and getting to um, draft their contracts, but also with the templates that I have through uh, my sister company, the yourlegalbff.com, I really look at contracts as a way of architecting and designing your business. And it's a real opportunity for you to think through how you want to run your business. 
um, whether it's, you know, your payment terms. A lot of people, this is again, where people look to their neighbor, you know, and they just copy what other people are doing because they, they take other people's contracts. They, uh, you know, go to a Facebook group, someone posts it, they just copy and paste all these things. And so what that does is it really deprives you of that opportunity to create Mm. policies and procedures that work for you. So some people will split their payments into two. Well, okay, why are you doing that? Does that work for you? You know, does that make sense for your cash flow? All those things. So um, to really think about, you have this cool opportunity to paint any picture that you want on this canvas. How are you going to paint it, right? So uh, you want to think through those things. You want to obviously talk to, you have such a great community. You know, listen to what other people's like nightmare situations are. Um, Pay attention to each type of, uh, uh, every time you have a client, you know, do like a little check in with yourself, like what worked, what went really well, like what could I have done better? You know, like I recently had a situation where I could have communicated client expectations a little bit better, you know, and it, you know, I've been doing this for such a long time, but it kind of, it was, it was a really good reminder. Um, and you know, and she was just, you know, very lovely about it, but it was like, Hey, I think you could have explained this a little bit better moving forward. And so kind of regroup after each and just kind of take notes And then you might want to then develop policies around whatever that issue might be or potential issue. Um, I think in terms of preparing a contract, um, again, I know people want to save money. It's one of those things they want to just cut and paste off of different samples as they've pulled together. But that can be problematic uh, for a number of different reasons. One is you may not be spotting all the issues because you like most lawyers, I mean, we're trained to identify issues. We're trained to think about risk. And so you may not have that either, um, just that experience or that foresight yet. Uh, and so you want to bring somebody who does, who can help guide you and hopefully develop, um, clauses or, uh, language in your contract to protect you. Um, for example, this most recently with this, you know, the COVID stuff, right? force majeure mm. has now become like the sexy clause, right? Where right. <laughs> it was usually one of those things that were considered boilerplate. People didn't want to take it out because it made their contracts too long. So, you know, hopefully you had something like that. If you're like in the events industry, right. um, some sort of language around that to help protect you in the event that you couldn't perform your obligations because of this whole pandemic. Cool. Cool. I like so, how you said the, the idea of that's the way it was explained to me when I was like, Oh, is this worth the investment is, when we hire professional lawyers to look through our stuff, they're looking at it from a point of view of if I was trying to find holes in this, if I was coming after you, would this be tight? And it's just a nice sigh of relief knowing your stuff's tight because someone who knows what they're doing looked through it. And if they were coming after you, if they were on the other side of the table, they're thinking in that mind frame of is this protected? And so yeah, uh, I love how you said that. That's a really, that's a really good point, you know, is... Um, and then some of my clients have lawyers as clients a lot too. So, you know, any lawyer who's going to look at a contract, even as a client is probably going to want to make some changes or whatnot. So, um, so yeah, so there's that, that concern, um, um, of just having somebody to help guide you. Um, and then one of the reasons why, another reason why it's not smart to just copy and paste is because, uh, there are just certain like formatting kind of internal conflicts that you can, you are, are essentially bound to happen uh, when you're just pulling from different contracts because um, because you, you don't have that trained eye and why should you of how to read through. And so when there are these right. etern- internal conflicts, it can 
actually affect the interpretation of the contract down the road. So what I say is, you know, kind of copying and pasting and trying to do it yourself. Um, it's kind of like trying to drive a car with like four mismatched tires. Like it's yeah, going yeah, to yeah. down the road, you know, but then, uh, you're not going to get very far and then you're probably going to blow a tire and you're going to be kind of on the side of the road, you know, trying yeah. to look for help in this, you know, when you, you hopefully could have avoided that by getting the four same of the four tires. Right. Yeah. Um, so if, 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 if it comes down to, I have no contract versus I have a kind of a DIY contract, I'd rather have you have a DIY contract than no contract. But, um, if you can, I think it's one of those things that's worth investing in early on. Yeah to get it right. Yeah. And then realize that contracts are, are evolving documents. Uh, you should be reviewing them on a regular basis as your, like I said, your, your, your company grows, um, things happen in your business where now you're like, okay, we're never doing that. So we're going to make a policy to, this is the new rule. You want your contract to reflect all of those as yeah. well. So cool. I remember running our first, uh, workshop and right before the workshop, I was just looking at a few things and Tony Robbins had this one workshop and or this event and someone got up and was being extremely obnoxious and like trying to get up on stage and attack him or something for something he said and i was like well what if this happened to me it's like so you have a room of 30 people and someone is for whatever reason having a bad day something happens it gets escalated what's the procedure and i guess part of entrepreneurship is walking into the dark and kind of rolling with the punches but being prepared for something like that happening and having some form of a policy figured out um, you know, if you're being disrespectful, rude, we've had people who, you know, attack someone else's religious, religious views or, or, or sexual orientation, which is a complete no, no, but now we'll have something of like, you get removed without any explanation. You, like we can remove you at any time if you cross these lines. And so I think it's a great idea to think about the what ifs, although I know at least me, I don't like to play in the what ifs, at least what if the worst thing happens, I'm like, what's the best thing, but Let's live in reality and just get as prepared as yeah. we can for the inevitable. I mean, I think of all of these as tools. You know, my grandma used to always say, it's like, you want to put all these kind of like, you know, education, licenses, whatever, put them in your pocket. And then, you know, if you never use it, it's fine. Um, and so I look at kind of these legal instruments or these legal tools, tools is the same way. So whether it's, okay, I'm going to become an LLC because I want to protect my, you know, personal assets. I'm going to get insurance. I'm going to get, you know, these yeah. contracts drafted. I'm going to register my trademarks. They're, these are all really tools we're just putting in our toolbox. Yeah. The hope is we'll never have to use them, but you're going to be so happy that should that time come that you're going to, you can pull out that contract. You can pull out that trademark registration. You can pull out whatever you know, your insurance policy or whatever it is to help defend yourself or um, maybe proactively uh, pursue, you know, if let's say someone's infringing on your trademark, yeah. uh, you can be more proactive about pursuing that. So it's, 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 I'm also of the, you know, so much about marketing, you know, I can go about it in a doom and gloom kind of way. Um, and that's just not who I am. I would rather go in a more constructive way, yeah. but yeah. it's kind of like, you do want to dip your toe in a little bit in the like, what could go wrong, you know, yeah. pool, <laughs> and yeah. then like yeah. pull your toe out and say, okay, I kind of like visited that, but now let's like focus on like the more constructive kind of positive way of approaching all of this. So, um, yeah. 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 So cool. So cool. And I know at least in the coaching space, my experience of it was, you know, I mean, since I was a teenager, one of my models was like, I'm responsible for everything that happens to me. If a car like swerves out of the way and for whatever reason hits me and breaks my leg, honestly, I'm like, 
like I had some part to play in this and I could have avoided this. That's just always been my mentality. And the more my network has expanded, the more I've just realized that a lot of people, I'm kind of making fun of the States right now, but are trying to get something for nothing. And I realize that there are people out there who will trip on a sore and see an opportunity to make money. And I just never was raised that way. So I didn't understand it. It wouldn't even be an option in my mind, but it's, it's a real thing. Like my sister got re-rended 10 years ago or she re-rented someone and she's like, Oh no, I'm okay. it was a tiny tap. Oh no, I'm okay. I'm okay. And then three months later she got served with, you know, her thing of the person had neck issues and injuries and all of that stuff. So people are doing that stuff and I get it. We're trying to make money and everyone's trying to do their best and whatever, but protect yourself. And, and now I do live with that motto of like, what are people thinking? Like, how can I make sure that we're protected? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I love your, I love your philosophy of, um, self, I mean, self responsibility. I think, I think that's just a good motto all around. Yeah. I guess for a lawyer though, you probably get tainted after a while of just seeing the dirty that people do of like, it's dirty, man. People are dirty. And so I I learned the game the hard way of just realizing that. And, and with that comes a level of responsibility to protect yourself. What about Copycats, I do want to ask this question because this gets asked as well. Uh, someone sent me a link to a website that was word for word my website except his face and just a few little changes. Even our creed, like I have this personal creed that we believe in and it's it's eight things that I would die for. And he had a copy and I was like, asshole, but I don't have time for this. Let me move forward. And so I actually don't know the state of the website. Maybe I'll check it. But for someone who's worried about that, or if that website started growing or if he started somehow impersonating me and actually causing issues for me, what what's usually the, the course of action that people take for that? Yeah, so it's going to depend on, um, well, I just want to kind of really clear, clear something up to begin with because I know it's another uh, thing that people get tripped up on. So there's a difference between copyrights and trademarks. So copyright is essentially, you know, it starts with a C, right? So I think of it as creative content. So that's things like, you know, writings, photographs, designs, um, um, you know, perform performances, uh, audio recordings, visual recordings, whatnot. So that kind of stuff is copyright. It's uh, in theory protected the moment that it is um, written, uh, fixed to a tangible form. So it's not just an idea in my head. It's, you know, a book I've written and I've put tucked away in my drawer uh, it's a blog mm-hmm. post I've written. So in your in case, you know, it's the copy on your website that you have kind of put out into the world is on a tangible form. So at least here in the States, that stuff is protected, you know, basically at that moment. Hmm. You can take certain steps to then register that copyright or that that work with the U.S. Copyright Office that gives you added protections in the event that there is some sort of infringement. Now, on a practical level, because you're talking about it being on a website uh, there are certain rules like a DMCA takedown notice that you could um, you could register to to basically force kind of the internet you know uh, I was gonna say the internet gods but basically the you know these internet hosting um, sites to uh, pull down that content or to block that content so I, I would first I always say when you see something like this to think about okay well what is it that you want right? Um, is it that you just want the person to take it down? You want them to compensate you. You want to sue them. But like, what, what is it that you're asking for? And then you want to think about, uh, should I then contact this person? Um, you might want to consult a lawyer during that process, maybe have it come from, um, you know, a legal, yeah. like a legal letterhead. So it sounds more official or whatnot. 
Um, but you need to contact the infringer and make them know like, Hey, I see you, you're not using this and this is what I want. Um, uh, in exchange, uh, either for you to use it or to just completely take it down. Um, and then sometimes, you know, some people just inadvertently, they don't know the rules, right? So they, they might be, they see other people borrowing other people's content and posting it as their own. And they're, they're like, oops, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I'll take it down. Mm -hmm. Um, and some people it's just a little bit more difficult to get them to take action. And so that's when you really want to work with a lawyer to either file some sort of DMCA takedown notice or maybe elevate or escalate the issue. Um, so copyrights are copyrights, which is what we talked about, but then there's also trademarks. And so trademarks to me are kind of like your brand elements. So that's like your logos, your slogans, your business name, um, even kind of like the look and feel of your brand can in theory be trademarked. Um, so the best example for me is Nike, right? Nike is the brand name that swoosh is the logo. Just do it is their slogan. Those are all elements that can be um, that are considered, you know, protected by trademarks. Um, like copyrights, you don't technically need to register your trademark with, at least here in the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, in order to have protection. It's the first person to use that mark in, right. in commerce, in theory, has trademark rights. Now there are benefits to registering those copyright, or, sorry, those marks with the trademark office, um, and again, gives you kind of certain um, certain rights in the event of infringement. Um, and so, uh, if, if it's a trademark that's being infringed upon, it'll kind of follow the same guidelines of what I said earlier. It's like, well, what do you want? You know, um, you know, are you going to contact this person? Are you going to be the one? Are you going to work with the lawyer? Um, and like in your situation, you sounds like you took a look, you're like, eh, not worth my time, you know, whatever. But maybe there might be a different circumstance where you're like, okay, like this is, this is going to be a problem. Um, yeah, with trademarks, you do have a duty to basically defend uh, your mark. Um, so you, you want to keep it from getting diluted. Um, so if you do see someone Mm. who, who is infringing on your mark, you really should take steps to, um, to prevent that, uh, either by asking them to take it down or whatever, solution you're going to find. Um, because if over time you don't, uh, in theory, your mark then kind of becomes generic and right. you may, may not have those same rights to that mark. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's just reminded me of a story that I did get one of those notices. It's like five years ago. I came up with a little $97 program. It was in fitness and I put it out there. And because I was so great at SEO at the time, it just, when people searched for my program, it came up. But then I got a notice of some author had a book that was named the name of my program. And I remember changing the name of my program because they were there first. They had a book. And literally when you search for their book, it was my stuff coming up. And so I could understand why they were getting upset about that. I didn't know that I did it. And so I changed it. So I guess people can make an honest mistake because I think there's any idea in the world is out there and it's available to us in the ether and we download it and we use it. Um, I don't think anyone's idea is actually original. It exists somewhere out there. It's just who takes action on it first, and they took action on it first, and I took action on it second. So I can understand that, yeah. And that's why that's a really good point is that um, we all think we have original ideas, but subconsciously we've Mm -hmm. probably absorbed it from someplace else and scrolling on Instagram. And so even though there Mm -hmm. is no, like, ill intent, you know, you come up with a product name or a program name, um, you've probably seen or been inspired by someone else's 
So it is important. And I do have a video, um, on the, on my website about just the importance before you really invest in a product name, the importance of at least doing a trademark search to see if it's available. Cool. And again, this is one of those things just because the social media handle is available and the domain name is available, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that, uh, the trademark is available and somebody else isn't using it. Uh, that's really important because I've had clients where, you know, they've gone, they've launched a product. They're like, okay, Annette, I'm ready to like register the trademark. And then we go, we do a search and I'm like, well, this person has a, a program that's very, very similar. So I don't think that, I don't think they're going to approve this, you yeah. know? So they had to go back and com- completely spend all this money to like rebrand, yeah, remarket yeah. everything. Uh, and that could have been avoided if we had thought about this up front. Lesson um, learned. Yeah. And so you don't want to be getting one of those, those yeah. notices either. So yeah, <laughs> this totally. And this is letters. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure I link to that video. Cause I think it's a great one. I remember always getting confused because there's so many things out there in the world now that when you search it, there's a movie, there's a book, there's a YouTube channel, and then there's someone blog, and it's all using the same name. So it used to confuse me of like, hey, I've got this idea, and I'm going to call the YouTube channel this, or I'm going to create a product of this. But you Google it, and search results shows 1.2 million results for, you know, especially if there's like four or five words in it, because now it's like it's a sentence like that's been out there. So I remember reaching out to a trademark specialist, and they were there were some rules around it too. So like ideas can't be trademarked that mm-hmm. are like popular and pop like – there were some rules to it. And so again, that took me down a path of like, what? There's so many little specific details that you just can't know yourself. So find someone who knows who can just guide you through it. Yeah. And to your point, like the world has become so much smaller, right? Because we used to open up our business, you know, on Main Street in our little local neighborhood. And yeah. so even if I called my cupcake shop the same as your cupcake shop that's, you know, in Vancouver. Um, chances are that people were the customer wouldn't get confused thinking that we were the same cupcake shop because people mm-hmm. just stayed very local. But now with just the internet, uh, it's 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 become a little bit more. Um, there's just a lot more awareness around that, and so I think it is wise for people to take that into consideration, uh, especially when they're naming their products and are going to put a lot totally. of money behind it. Yeah. Totally. I love it. I love it. If people want to find your stuff, look you up, I know you have so many templates. I was going through it. I, I don't want to make this up. There's at least 25 and I might be off on that. There might be more, might be less, but there was like, I keep temp- adding more. <laughs> yeah, there was like templates and it looked like you had a pretty cool process of here's the outline and then here's the specifics. Here's how you change it. Here's how you make it your own when I was going through it. And I thought, where was this when I needed it five, six years ago? <laughs> But um, if, if people want to find your stuff or just find your videos or just find any resources you have, where would they find you? So I live on two places on the internet. Uh, the first is my my website where I really go through kind of the one-on-one services. This is where you can uh, find that legal ingredients, the resource that we talked about, all my podcast episodes, all my videos. Uh, that is at AnnetteStepanian.com. Um, hopefully we can link to it because I know have a, link. a little difficult to spell and pronounce, uh, but an easier way. Uh, so if you want to also then check out the templates. So these are all contract templates, a few online trainings. Um, they're really meant to be industry specific, cost effective. I really, it's not like I just throw a template your way and I walk away. I really walk you through a process, kind of how I would walk a client through in terms of thinking about contracts. Like we said, like architecting yep. your business videos to to go with every clause of the contract to help make sure that you understand your contract. Um, 
and then, you know, how to systematize and automate um, your contract signing process. So that you can find at yourlegalbff.com. Um, and then it has like this kind of cool tool. You can get a customer. Yeah, it was list really fancy. It was really good. <laughs> it was really good. Um, I, I, I wish I would have found that five years ago. So I think it's a brilliant idea. And if, if you're feeling a little overwhelmed or you're trying to, or you're copy and pasting from other websites, like, you know what I'm talking about. We've all done it. Um, <laughs> Check it out because I was I was really impressed with it and and there's nothing in it for me other than I got really excited by it because I, I I know the Thank pain you. of going through it so I highly recommend checking it out. There's no affiliate links or anything like that. There's nothing in it for me. Uh, so check that out if you're interested in it. And here's I, I ask everyone this question. Uh, some of these podcast episodes get very philosophical because of some of the guests we've had on, like Robert Green. It was all deep philosophy because that man is like the wisest man in the world. And some are a little bit more on the surface practical stuff. But so however you answer this is totally fine. But I'm always curious of, you know, however many years you've been on this planet, if you could go back everything you've learned and taken the most important piece of wisdom straight from your heart, straight from your soul and injecting it into the 18 or 20 year old self or maybe that self who was transitioning from the lawyer job, traveling and trying to figure out why am I here, what's my purpose, or what could I do. And I love this because you can literally compress someone's 60 years or 80 years or 30 years of lessons and just download it into your awareness, into your consciousness, and hopefully avoid the mistake or make it easier to navigate. So if you could leave something, your book, your mark, your, your idea, what would that be? I love this question. Uh, I recently had our first daughter, our first child, and I've been thinking a lot about, you know, even just writing some of this stuff down and kind of like the lessons I would want her to know mm. from things that I wish I had known growing up. And they're kind of two. So if I can have two, we'll do two, <laughs> um, we'll do two. Yeah. <laughs> so one is that you're just, you're more than enough, just the way you are. Um, and just really embracing that. And, um, I really also just want to instill in her that, it's important to keep your word to others, but more important is to keep that word to yourself. I think self-integrity is, is what builds confidence and self-assurance. Like if you can count on yourself, if you, you say you're going to do something and you do, and you follow through on it, regardless of the result, just the fact that you held that promise to yourself, that's, that's the win. Um, and so, yeah, I would be those two. That's so amazing who you're becoming behind the closed doors like you, you, you sleep with yourself at night and when the lights are out, who are you? And I think that's such a beautiful thing and something that I probably wish I would have learned way earlier because it would have saved me a lot of internal struggle through my 20s right? and always something to learn from that. So Annette Stepanian, I got that right. Appreciate your time. And for anyone who's, who's really trying to navigate this stuff and is feeling a bit of a complex like I did, especially if you're like a massive just moving forward type of person like me, that kind of energy, this stuff can stop you it would stop me for days because i just want to go i want to create i want to have fun doing it and it would stop me and finding help with it for me was the best thing i ever did but if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you want to figure it out uh annette's got some really cool stuff on the website and i truly mean that so check that out the links will be around here somewhere annette thank you so much for your time thank you thanks so much for having me we'll talk soon Welcome to the Coach's Corner Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you turn your knowledge, your gifts, and your story into an online coaching business. 
this podcast is and always will be free to listen to. My only ask is if you extract value from these episodes, simply subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review, and get automatically entered into winning $500 every single month. For more information on the giveaway or to explore all of the options we have on serving you, check out www.lucasrubix.com and I'll see you there.